Chapter Twelve of Eight Girls and a Dog by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Boy's Entertainment. Well, said Marjorie, I suppose we've got those boys on our hands for this whole day. And the Duchess's pretty brow wrinkled as if with the cares of a nation. It was the morning after the play, and the house was in a state of chaos and old night, as Betty expressed it. I'm glad of it, said Marguerite frankly. I think we'll have lots of fun, and there are so many things we can do. We can clear up this house for one, said Hester, looking dubiously at the wreck of scenery and properties scattered all about. Let's make the boys clear it up, suggested Betty. Good for you, cried Jessie. You do have brilliant ideas sometimes, don't you, Betsy? Those scapegraces have imposed themselves upon us and they may as well be put to use. Where are they? I don't see them, said Nan, peering under the tables and chairs. Oh, they'll be here soon enough. Don't worry, said Millicent, who was calmly eating a late breakfast. They are but henchmen. Let us command them. They should be only too glad to do our bidding. Very soon after, with a wild war-whoop, the boys appeared. What a lazy lot, they cried, looking at the table. Why, we had breakfast hours ago, and we've had a swim and run, and we've called on Aunt Molly, and, oh, I say, give us some jam. Not until you work for it, said Millicent, putting the jam jar in the cupboard and standing in front of the closed door. You see the disarray of our household gods. Well, restore this palace to its original exquisite tidiness and order, and you shall have a spoonful of jam apiece. A spoonful? cried harry bond a jarful you mean but come on fellows let's fire out this trash there were ten boys for the eight who came down from middleton had promptly annexed the two hillis boys and the rapidity with which hilarity hall was put in order was suggestive of a western cyclone you girls vamoose shouted roger hale run upstairs or outdoors or across the street or somewhere and quick the blue ribbon club as one girl flew upstairs and proceeded to dictate orders over the banister which however were unheeded and even unheard timmy lou danced frantically about among the marauding boys until he was unceremoniously swept out of the front door by roger's broom he was rescued by rosie who had much astounded at the turn things had taken ran over to aunt molly's for shelter and safety but soon the squall was over and calm reigned again come down girls called ted lewis one free all free down came the club bright and smiling with fresh shirt waists and the additional ribbons or trinkets that masculine presence always seemed to necessitate there milady said harry bond to millicent your palace is restored to all its pristine glory and now fork over that jam so the jam and everything else that the larder contained was set forth and those voracious boys speedily dispatched it all now said harry bond we're all going down to the beach to take pictures and otherwise enjoy ourselves this pleasant morning and then since you urge us so we're all coming back here to dinner do said marjorie heartily that will be lots of fun and the other girls echoed her opinion except marguerite and nan but you can't exclaimed the embarrassed matron 
You see, it's Nanny's and my turn to get dinner today, and there isn't half enough in the house for a horde of pirates, and we'd have to stay home all the morning to get ready for you. Marguerite looked the picture of distress at the thought of missing the fun on the beach, and Nan looked placidly indifferent, but had no appearance of intending to be left behind. We'll take the white cap to the beach with us, she said, as she put on her hat, and the boys can draw pictures in it. Jack's quite clever at catching a likeness. But what about dinner? said Marguerite, piteously, her responsibilities as chaperone suddenly beginning to weigh upon her. That's all right, Daisy, said Tom Burleigh, who had been holding a whispered but emphatic conversation with Harry Bond. We realize the unexpectedness of this visitation, and tis but natural that you girls should find yourselves unable to cope with it. Whereupon, and therefore, and for which reason, we beg to inform you that we will get the dinner ourselves, and all we ask of you, fair ladies, is your gracious company. With a flourish and a grand bow, Tom completed his speech and awaited a reply. It doesn't seem quite right, said Marguerite, but Betty said, Oh, bother, of course it's all right. It'll do you boys good to do a little work, and I, for one, accept your invitation with delight. Me too, shouted all the other girls, and Marjorie inquired where the dinner would be served. In Hilarity Hall, of course, said Tom, but don't ask questions, miss. When you're invited out, you mustn't be rude. And we'll invite the kind lady and gentleman next door, put in Roger, for tis to them we owe this trip anyway. Uncle Ned and Aunt Molly were pleased to accept the invitation which was duly offered them, and then, after a few mysterious confabs with Rosie, the boys declared that they were at the young lady's services, and all ran down to the beach. They stayed until noon, when Tom Burleigh, who announced himself as the master of the ceremonies, ordered the whole crowd back to the cottage. Now, ladies, he said as they arrived every one of you fly upstairs to your rooms and occupy yourselves with sewing dolls rags or knitting aprons or whatever pastime pleases you take beauty naps if you like but don't dare appear on the first floor of this cottage until summoned by the dinner horn marguerite and jessie wanted to stay and help the new cooks but it was not allowed so upstairs the girls trooped and Ted Lewis tied rope barriers across the staircase. Those ridiculous boys, said Marjorie, as the girls congregated in her room. They won't have half enough plates or forks or anything. Yes, they will, said Betty, confidently. They'll have everything shipshape, don't you worry. From the noise I should think they were building a house, said Nan. And sure enough, hammering and pounding was going on below, as well as the clattering of the dishes and much scurrying to and fro of course the girls looked out of the windows and they saw rosie and some of the boys bringing piles of plates and cups from aunt molly's but as that lady herself did not appear they guessed she too had been forbidden to assist after an hour or more of impatient excitement on the part of the girls rosie came up to them broadly smiling the young gentleman bid me to say that dinner is about to be served, and would you please come down to the parlor? 
so the girls trooped down and found uncle ned and aunt molly waiting them then the boys appeared and with obsequious demonstrations of greeting and compliment they invited their guests to the dining-room the boys all wore aprons having confiscated with rosie's help all those belonging to the club big tom burleigh looked especially funny in a lace frilly little affair of jessie's and as there had not been quite enough to go round harry bond had made a big pinafore of newspapers then some boys had found time to make cook's paper caps for them all and paper roses left from the night before were in their buttonholes their appearance was festive indeed the dining-room was a sight to behold they had discarded the regular dining-table and brought a narrow one of the boards of the dismantled stage this table whose length was such that it required three tablecloths was decorated with great bowls of paper roses and the whole room was decked with green branches palms and paper flowers all of which had done duty as the garden in the play the twenty people seated themselves at the long and festive board uncle ned and aunt molly of course being invited to sit at the head and foot and then rosie began to serve the feast but one waitress was far from being enough for the hungry crowd so the bee-aproned boys took turns in playing waiter the first course was clam chowder of which the burley boys were justly famed concocters it was wonderfully good and they had made a great kettleful and there was enough and to spare next was a course of broiled lobster although the boys pretended at first that they had cooked these they afterward confessed that they had ordered them sent over from the inn but their guests cared not a jot where the lobsters had met their fiery fate and pronounced them the most delicious ever tasted after this came blackberry pies half a dozen of them and aunt molly fairly blushed as encomiums were showered on her contribution to the spread the coffee was fine ted lewis always made it in camp and being accustomed to making large quantities and in a big tin pail instead of a coffee pot he had no trouble in turning out a perfect concoction crackers and a red-coated cheese made their appearance also a big basket of fruit and uncle ned had brought over a box of bonbons so the merry crowd sat for a long time over their dessert so long indeed that the boys were obliged to leave the table and scurry away to catch their home-bound train you'll have a few dishes to wash said harry bond with a twinkle in his eye but that's women's work a nice housewifely occupation oh they'll be done all right said his sister and now run harry or you'll be late give lots of love to mamma and grandma and tell them but harry was out of sight and hearing by that time so marjorie didn't send her message now said betty as they turned back to the deserted dining-room what a collateration but i suppose if twere done when tis done twere well twere done quickly yes said hester the practical let's fly at it and clear everything up and then sit on the veranda and talk it all over aunt molly and uncle ned were politely invited to go home and then the many hands went at the work and it was accomplished with surprising quickness then the blue ribbon club grouped itself on the veranda 
and if those eight tongues didn't wag they talked as an octave until bedtime and then breaking up into duets they kept on talking until they fell asleep end of chapter twelve